Welcome to Meet the Actor at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, Anna Smith. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. And welcome, welcome. It's a very special evening today. Soon we will be meeting Antonio Banderas. Uh, the reason he is here is the movie SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. And first, let's have a look at the trailer. At last, it is mine. With this magic book, any evil plan I write comes true. But to harness his power, I need the final page that is protected deep below the surface by one legendary hero. Will you stop playing that tiny piano? Sorry. Attack! I think we have a few minutes before he gets here. I ran on top of us! Burn the door! Got it! Bullseye! From Paramount Animation and Nickelodeon Movies. That pirate's gonna destroy our world! Aren't you overreacting a bit? Patrick, what are you doing? Vandalizing stuff. Isn't that your house? To save their world. Come on, team! Let's get that book back! They must come. Ow. Two hours. What is this place? Uh-oh! In 2015, <gasps> a giant hairy porpoise beat! We need to get these guys back in the water. Put your back in the water. This place smells awful. Comes the 3D motion picture event. So hot. Oh, where have you been all my life? <laughs> this is uncomfortable. And so extreme. There's the book. Now it's our turn to rewrite the story. You need new pens. Those guys must work out. I think they're in my spin class. All right, here comes the pain. It ain't good. Huh? They're beautiful. The SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, in 3D. Mr. Super Awesomeness, take him down. Maybe we should have picked a better superpower for you, Patrick. Great stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, may I welcome to the stage the star of that movie? It is Antonio Banderas! Welcome, welcome. How are you doing? <laughs> Good to have you with us. What fun, what fun. So, SpongeBob, did you ever dream you would be in the SpongeBob movie? No way. No way. Bit of, no. A, bit of a surprise? It was a surprise because actually I, I was not very familiar with the show, mm -hmm. to tell you the truth. Uh, my youngest kid was Stella, but um, I mean, you have to be blind to don't know SpongeBob because for the last 15 years he's an icon of the American pop culture, the, the world pop culture, actually. Uh, but, but I was not, uh, until I read the script and I just realized that I had material that was very um, surreal um, and absolutely open for anything. And actually, that's what you're looking for, actually, when you uh, do a movie for kids, is to have the possibilities of fantasize and, 
uh, behind every corner there is a new possibility. So there is a number of things uh, attached to this project that attract me very much. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about your character. He's a pirate, isn't he? Tell us a bit more about him. Well, he's a pirate, but he's, a, uh, he's kind of a three characters in one, you know, uh, kind of a holy trinity in a way. Um, he's a pirate in a classical way. He's a narrator of the story. He's the one who is telling the, the fairy tale. And at the same time, he becomes a cook in the middle. So he developed three different personalities in, in one. Um, it was um, actually fun to portray, especially when they say action. From action to cat was fun. The rest of the time was complex because of the, of the beard. Yes, the beard. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was How like... That it took a couple of hours every morning just right, to yeah. implant the, the beer and the wig yeah. and the whole entire thing. And we were shooting in a beautiful place, actually, Savannah, Georgia, but it's very humid and very hot. And so that was very dramatic. In the middle of the day, the, the, um, and this pirate laughs a lot. And when he laughs, he's very, he extends a lot his face. So, ping, the moustache came out uh, all the time. So more glue. Uh, attached the moustache again, you couldn't eat because if you eat hamburgers, uh, impossible. So I was just drinking juices the whole entire day, <laughs> like that. And that's what I did to survive for 12, 14 hours that we were working a day. After three days with that beer, what happened is that they use a glue. It's very strong, actually. Uh, it's not like the ones that people use for Halloween parties. No, this is a real serious thing. Um, the problem is that when you take it out, uh, you have to use a lot of products, yeah. and um, you take an hour of products and stuff, but you get to the hotel room and you still have plastic and glue. <laughs> so I, I used to shave it, shave it out. So you see these balls of glue coming out every afternoon. <laughs> the problem was in the morning when you wake up and you had your face like this, and then you go to the makeup trailer and they say, sit down over there, and they start putting more glue on you. <laughs> and, and this has you know, components of ether and alcohol, and so it, it was, yeah. You weren't you know, tempted to sleep in the bed. Hor then. Horrendous, <laughs> actually. But, uh, but at the same time, it was fun. It was fun because it's a game. The whole entire movie for me was like, uh, like playing a game. It's a great energetic movie, isn't there? There's so much going on. Is the animation and then the characters actually kind of come into the real world, as we've gathered, don't they? It's a very positive character. I mean, mm. <clears throat> if you overcome the fact that Bob is a sponge, um, <laughs> you can believe anything in the world. Um, and uh, so uh, that is telling you that everything is possible. But at the same time, the character, as it's created, it becomes an entity. It could be a potato, it could be a, a stone or a feather. It doesn't matter. You know, it's a very positive character. And I think it sends um, a beautiful uh, you know, message to kids because it's positive. There is no obstacles for him that he uh, doesn't overcome with a, um, a smile in his face. Um, values like... Uh, friendship and um, loyalty and teamwork are very important in the movie and you have to think also uh, that when you do a movie for kids of course it has to be an entertaining entertainment <coughs> clearly and the kids are probably a rough uh, audience if they don't like something they start yawning they want to go get out of the theater immediately they don't pardon you and uh, so one thing and the other in the other hand you have to in a way uh, know that you are educating them too uh, so it's important for parents, and having a, a father for many years, you know, just to take them to see something that actually has certain values. Well, should we have a look at a clip where you actually Absolutely. have a run-in with him? Let's have a look. Prepare to be teamwork. Ha! It's all mine! <laughs> Not so fast, bugger beard! <laughs> 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 
formula. This will make you feel a little butter. What fun. There's a lot going on there. No. You may understand why I have a back pain, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And for you, I mean, a lot of the time, it must have been a pretty lonely job because there's a lot of cameras, there's you, and what, it's sort of balls on sticks you're acting against? What are you doing? Basically, I, I work with nobody. Yeah. Um, there were guys just uh, with sticks and, um, and tennis balls. And so those were the characters. A yellow ball was uh, SpongeBob. Patrick was green. And so they just, and they move them in front of you. So you have to, that's for your eye line, just to follow the characters. But then it was confusing because the person that was feeding me the lines of the other characters, they was behind the camera. You cannot look at camera. But you know, the, the normal thing is that you look to who is talking to you. So you have to get oblivious to that and just concentrate on what you're doing there. Basically what you do is just to use more the director than normal. Right. In the morning, uh, once the beer was installed in my face and I felt like a bear attacked me, <laughs> and we sat down in, the, um, in my trailer and we went through everything that we were going to do and they explained to me how the other characters were going to react to whatever I was going to say. So I knew pretty much the volumes that I have to use. If I have to scream uh, too much or not, because the character is not gonna react that big. Uh, you know, if you make a question, wh what is the way that he's gonna answer you? Yeah. So little thing like that. So yeah. you have to actually imagine the whole entire movie before uh, even start shooting it. About the th third or the fourth day, I realized that I, I could manipulate the movie a little bit. Because whatever I did on the on the set, they're gonna have to just <laughs> go <laughs> after to, that. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, so uh, I started improvising a little bit, and that I was allowed to do that because I was very good friends with the director, was uh, Michael Mitchell. He directed the live action, and I, I worked with him before in one of the Shrek uh, series. I did with him uh, Shrek the Third, and so we we get along uh, very well. And I, I like the guy, and I think he, he likes me, so we got good empathy, and, and we started just creating things as, as much as the creators were fine with that, you know. And we were not getting out of the parameters of what the story should be about. I think that it brings a little bit of freshness to the whole entire um, process of telling uh, a fairy tale. You know. Definitely. Well, it's a, it's a very funny film. And um, as you were sort of referring to earlier, it's not kids enjoy it, but there is humour that ad adults get as well. I think oh, we've, yeah. we've got a clip which is a good example of that. Let's have a look. SpongeBob, you would not believe the size of the ice creams here. I wonder what other giant snacks they have. <gasps> Cotton candy! <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that many of you have kids. Uh, that will happen. I was thinking <laughs> that, yeah. Anyone who's got kids will understand completely Abs absolutely. what that is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you give them sugar, yeah. uh, you know, past seven, <laughs> boom, party time. So, yeah. We've got one more clip, quick clip to look at, which shows us a bit more of the animation. Let's have a look. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Mr. Krabs, I'm telling you, he's innocent. What are you gonna do, Krabs? Pour hot oil on me? Or put bamboo shoots under my nails? No. Knock, knock. Knock, knock jokes. I can do this all day, Krabs. Knock, knock. Oh, boy. Who's there? Jimmy. Jimmy who? Jimmy, back my formula, Plankton! Well, that's stupid, but how is it torture? <laughs> You'll see. Jimmy, back my formula. Hmm. Oh, I get it! Oh, oh make it stop, Grant! Make it stop! <laughs> Also very funny. <laughs> Crazy surreal, I tell, I tell you. It is, isn't it? Surreal. I mean, of course, you've been involved in other family films, many very successful ones. For example, when you played Puss in Boots first in Shrek, did you ever think that would become such a phenomenon? No, in fact, uh, Puss was a very little character uh, when they offered it to me. Um, I was at the time, I was doing Broadway, I was doing a musical on Broadway, and so the first sessions that I did was they, they, I was in New York, and we have a, a fantastic first uh, session, and we made a very important decision, I, I think, for the success of the character. Sometimes uh, these things can be uh, done in a second uh, when you make a choice like that. Uh, they introduced me the, uh, to the character. I saw, you know, how little he was in comparison with uh, the other characters in the movie, and uh, and they wanted me to do actually a very little voice for him. Um, the cat, cat voice, like, yeah. eh. and, I, and, I, and I said to Jeffrey Katzenberg, the director at the time, I said, why don't we just go in the opposite direction? Why don't we just provide him with a very thick voice? <laughs> like this. I think a cat, so little, talking with a voice, it, because comedy, in a way, is contrast. You know, is what it's not supposed to be and is. And, and then it makes you laugh. And that little decision changed completely the story uh, of the character um, of a big side of my career. Uh, the, the character took off, took a big chunk of the second uh, Shrek, and he ended up uh, having his own spin-off. Yeah, fantastic. Donkey doesn't have it. Yeah, well done. <laughs> uh, so he was kind of, um, I, I love that character. We are going to do another one. Oh, those. really? Oh, yeah. that's great news. Good stuff. We're going to do another one. What about Sp Spy Kids? That's, uh, that was it fun, by the looks of it. Spy Kids was actually the result of a longer relationship with a friend which is uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez. I met him when he did the first mariachi that he did with $5,000. And the people that actually was in the cast of the movie, the, the, the actors, were picked in a hospital. Let me just tell you this little story. He, in order to make money to, to do the movie, uh, put himself in a hospital trying a new medicine against cholesterol, I think it was. I don't know how. That worked. But uh, everybody that was in that room with him for like a th five days, I think, he cast them in the movie. So all of those characters are coming from the hospital, and there were people that just make some money just trying a new medicine. And he did that movie with those $5,000. So I saw the movie in Columbia Pictures in Los Angeles, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, so I talked to him, and Columbia agrees to give us some budget to do a second uh, 
movie of uh, uh, Desperado was called, but it was based on El Mariachi. And from there, uh, you know, a relationship was born, and we ended up doing this kind of James Bondish movie that we did for kids. Uh, that was my first, uh, the first steps that I took actually into the world of, uh, on the universe of kids. Yeah. Yeah. In, in movies. Yeah. How was the transition of Spanish movies, obviously working with the wonderful Pedro Almodóvar, and then moving into Hollywood? Was that a, a culture shock for you? Well, yes, absolutely. Of course it was. B but uh, everything happens in a way as an accident. Uh, you know, it's not something that I search for. I went to Los Angeles because one of the Almodóvar's movies, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, got a nomination for an Academy Award. So I went there. And I met a guy at the time that was literally taking coffees to the <coughs> um, offices of the agents. His name was Manny Nunez. He's my agent today. He's, he's been my agent for 23 years. And, uh, and this guy insisted to um, a man called Arnie Glimcher, who was a producer, uh, and who wanted to direct his first movie, uh, The Mambo Kings, that it was the guy who should do that. He convinced him even that I speak English. And I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. So oh. I came here to London to have an interview with a dinner with this guy, and I fake that I knew the language. How did you do that? <laughs> you, you fake that, th just trying to be very shy. <laughs> you, you're a person who just speaks very little. And you are just sitting down there on a table, and you're saying basically, yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely was a big word at the time. Probably absolutely I didn't have it. But I know, I know. A lot of I knows and a lot of yes. And then at the end of the dinner, I said something like, hey, I can do that. And that, that. That's the big line that I learned. And he believed it. And so <laughs> two weeks after he took me to New York, I learned the lines phonetically. And that was my first steps um, um, in Hollywood. And I thought that it was going to be one of those things that I could tell my grandson someday. You know, I did a movie for Warner Brothers. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but then Jonathan Demi called me when he saw that movie to do Philadelphia. And little by little, they started giving me more responsibilities, and my English was kind of improving with the time. It will never be perfect, as you probably know already. Uh, but it's very difficult when you learn English uh, at the age of 30, 31. It's almost impossible to, to just uh, get rid of your accent. And at the end, it's funny, you know, because Puss in Boots is a result of that. Yeah, exactly. I don't think people want you to get rid of your accent. My personality, <laughs> like that's it, the yeah. way. The way Definitely. Before we cut to the audience, let's talk about what else you've got coming up. Anything uh, else we should know about? Yes. Uh, a movie that I did uh, last year in Colombia and Chile. It tells the story of the 33 men that get trapped in a mine in San Jose in the Atacama Desert in Chile for 70 days. It's a beautiful story because people doesn't know what happened down there or what happened up there between the families. So it's a, it's a fresco. And, um, and a magnifying glass in ourselves. When you put people and you push people uh, against their own limits, uh, the best and the worst of them are going to come out. So the story is about that. It's about human beings trying to survive. First, life itself, you know, and then be a celebrity, to be famous, uh, to get in there, miners, and get out of there almost like the Rolling Stones. You know, with uh, telegrams from the Pope and from Obama and from everybody, everybody. And so, and, and that was, if you're not prepared for that, that can be very damaging. And it was for them. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that. And then I have um, a word that I did with uh, Terrence Malik in a movie called uh, Knights of Cup. And, um, 
and then, uh, well, I'm going to start probably shooting at the end of the year something that I've been searching for a long time, which is the, the time in which uh, Pablo Picasso, and I will play him, painted the Guernica. There was in 1937 uh, for the Universal Exposition of uh, uh, Paris at that year in the middle of the Spanish Civil War. So it's a reflection about um, art, about uh, war, politics, society, and life itself, using the canvas of the Guernica almost like a movie screen, directed by Carlos Saura, Spanish prominent director, and with Gwyneth Paltrow playing uh, Dora Mar. So that's a completely different story of what we saw Yes. here today. Well, you like to mix it up, and that's a wonderful thing. Absolutely, I do, I <laughs> yeah. do. Let's cut to the audience. If you could put your hands up and wait for uh, the microphone to come over to you, that would be great. Hi, I just want to say, first of all, I loved you as Zorro. Thank you. And then I have a question about um, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Um, the first one is, how was it acting with Johnny Depp? What was it like? And second, the scene where you slide down the staircase with um, your guitar trunk, Right. Um, was that you or was that a, um, a stuntman? Uh, unfortunately, it was me. <laughs> uh, yeah, with Robert Rodriguez, I, I did a lot of stunts. Uh, I did crazy stuff. Today, somebody showed me a picture of the first Desperado, actually. Um, it's the picture with Salma and I just walking away from the fire. What nobody knows is that our hair burned. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have so much money just to do that CGI or anything else, so they put real gasoline there. And it was a very interesting experience, actually. Um, Johnny is a great guy. Uh, I only had actually one scene with him. I talked with him in the movie many times on the phone, but I, actually we had only one scene, but it was fun. Um, he's a pretty eccentric guy, uh, but, I, but I like him. He's very committed to the work very serious uh, when he's working, uh, take it very seriously and uh, very given to the director and to his uh, fellow actors, in this case with me. We have fun that morning, we talk a lot about movies and um, I hope that, that we have more time together in the, on the screen someday. Yeah. Thank you very much. I thought he was amazing in Expendables 3. Um, any any you know, you being the fourth one and is there any chance of you doing another Zorro film? Uh, if, if time goes by and we do another Zorro, I'm going to be doing the character that Anthony Hopkins did in the first one. Uh, because, you know, in the second one, we have a kid already that was like nine years old. Time went by, that kid would be like 19, 20. He would be ready, actually, to take over, um, which I wouldn't mind. I, I totally accept, uh, you know, the, the pass of time. It's absolutely natural, and I take it as it comes. So if, uh, if uh, that is the case, I, I would love to visit that character again. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a beautiful um, superhero that is not a superhero. It's just a hero because he doesn't have superpowers. Um, I would like to take him out of the context. I would like to take him to Europe. He got to escape out of uh, Mexico or something, and I would like to see some fighting in an opera theater in Paris or something like that. I, I would like to take him completely out of the contest. Uh, that, would be, that would be fun. And the Spending or Fall is a possibility. We, we had a problem that we have to face. I mean, I don't want to criticize anybody, really. I mean it. But we have 17 million downloads of piracy. And, you know, whoever financed the movie <laughs> was not very happy about that. <laughs> 
uh, uh, we didn't lose money at the end because China did a huge box office and the movie ended up with 250 million, which is fantastic. You know? uh, I think, yes, it's going to be probably a fourth and I hope that my, my friend, Sly Stallone, is going to call me again. <laughs> hey, kid, come over here. Great. Uh, Questions about that? Hi. Uh, first of all, I'm a big fan, so thanks for coming and talking about the movie. I'm also Thank an you for you coming. I'm, I'm, I'm also an animator, so I'm always delighted to see actors working in animation and having a great time. So thanks for your participation as a voice in animation and in animated films. And you mentioned earlier that you were on Broadway at one point. Um, have you been offered, would you like to come to do a play or a musical in the West End in London? Uh, would you love to do that? I was just wondering. Um, first of all, uh, you know, great that you are in animation because probably something that no many people knows about my implication with animation is that I have been producing animation movies in Spain uh, for a while. I did two uh, feature films um, and then a, a short movie uh, called Lady and the Reaper that got a nomination for an Academy Award uh, for the Oscars and, um, and I'm going to continue in the, in the universe. I really love uh, the, the genre. Uh, Broadway, yes. Uh, I've been offered. The, the problem with Broadway is that it requires a tremendous amount of time. Uh, it, it's very difficult, actually, to go to Broadway without signing for at least one year of participation on the play. And then there are so many things happening at the same time, uh, producing, directing, writing, and stuff like that, that just uh, commit yourself to, to one year is complex. I am moving to London. My life is going to take place probably here because I, there is a number of things that probably you will know in the next couple of months that I'm going to do over here. Um, there is a certain respect. I have to confess that because I know the relationship of this city with theater. It's very strong. People are tough, and they should be. You know, uh, they should be because that makes it raise the bar and makes the actors actually, uh, you know push themselves to be better and better. Um, now, I cannot do Shakespeare, obviously. If I do Shakespeare, I will do it in Spanish and I will do it in Spain. But uh, if I do something here, it has to be something that makes sense to me. Like three years ago, I was offered uh, to do Zorba the Greek, the musical, on Broadway. Well, that is something that I will dare to jump in because it's, you know, it's, it's, I share a culture with that character. We are both Mediterranean. Uh, there is something that I can smell in that character that has to do with my own culture. And so it's something that I eventually will dare to jump into. So let's see. I don't close the doors to that possibility. Thank you. We have a question from over this side, please. Do you prefer acting uh, in Spanish movies or in English movies? Uh. It's funny because, uh, of course, you know, in my mother language, I, I have more information, uh, sensual information, um, emotional information with the words. Now, when I start working in America, it's interesting because when you're working in a language that is not your language, you feel a little bit freer. You're not too attached to the words. For example, if you say, I, I te quiero, in Espanol, uh, for me, it has a very specific meaning. And 
and I have history with those words, like everybody, right? Uh, if I say I love you, uh, not now. I said I love you to a lot of people that I love, actually. <laughs> but at the beginning of my career in America, it was very easy. It's when you, you learn bad words in another language, and you just throw them in front of people, and you don't know that they wait a lot. <laughs> and the people may react like, oh my god, look what he said. And for you, it's not important, because there is no history with those words for you. So uh, I felt a little bit freer working at the beginning uh, um, in English, strangely, right? Um, but definitely, my mother language is my mother language. Uh, when I work in Spanish, I, I have all the data. And, and I just can uh, play with that information in the way I want. Great question, thank you. Hola, Antonio. Hola. Um, so I had to study your film, La Piel Que Habito, uh, The Skin I Live In, right. from, uh, at university. Uh, obviously, that role is very different to any other role you've, you've performed. Uh, so what, what was it like shooting that film? Difficult. Difficult. It was like uh, time me up, time me down on steroids. <laughs> um, difficult because as much as I love Pedro Almodovar, real love. I mean, he's my brother. I know this guy from 35 years ago. He, in a way, is responsible for many of the good things that happened in my life, including Hollywood because he's very well respected there. Um, to work with him is very, very difficult. Pedro Almodovar doesn't want you to use anything that you have used before. He wants a new you. And in order to obtain that, he uh, deconstructs you completely to build something with you that is new. And that, my friend, is very painful, eventually. It's very painful. Uh, because you walk in a territory that you feel comfortable doesn't mean that you're doing art. You can do something that the people is expecting from you and, so, and makes you comfortable. You go to the hotel every night thinking, ah, I was great. Because you are in control of the situation. Maybe somebody like Pedro Modova takes the rack out of your feet and you are suddenly on the air. That is very scary because you don't know where you are. And so that's the game that he plays with actors. And if they, if they don't understand him, it can be eventually uh, very dizzy. I, I know actors that they will never work with him back to, to Pedro Almodovar, you know. But at the end, the results were extraordinary. I actually saw something that I, need, I didn't know even that I had in me. Uh, that has to do with economy. Um, um, in a movie that actually many people interpret, as a psychological thriller, but in reality, I know that Pedro Almodovar actually was talking about himself. He was talking about creation. He was talking about a director that with his hands and with the capacity he got to, to write a script can change you to be a man into a woman, can change reality. And there is a lot of details in the movie about that. For example, do you remember the TV that I have in my bedroom? It's a movie script. It's an homage to movies inside the movie. I play with my remote control and I bring uh, my captive woman to a close-up. And I examine her in a close-up and then in a landscape. So there is references to cinema continuously. What Pedro Almodovar uh, did is use that uh, beautiful story and, and, and sordid and serious and solid story to talk about himself and creation.
and how painful it can be. That's excellent answer and very interesting. Thank you. We've got time for one or two more questions. In the front here, if you wait for the mic. Um, how have you managed to balance your family life with your career? It depends if your family is involved also in the, in the, in the movie business or not. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a completely different turf that you're talking about family now. And, uh, and the implication of family with your professional life, that's, uh, it depends, you know, if you have a, a wife that actually um, listens to you or you have a wife that says, you know, this is our space and in our space I don't want you to bring your problems, your stories. Uh, he does, right? <laughs> no? Oh, but that's fine. That's fine. Help him. Tell him the truth. Right. <laughs> Sound advice, Tell I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you all for coming. Let's not forget that the SpongeBob movie is out on Friday, 27th of March, with previews this weekend. And a big thank you very much to Antonio Banderas and thank to you. all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you.